So I want us to look at today 1 Samuel chapter 16. And that you can trust that God sees clearly. He sees everything clearly, including how you fit into the divine plan. Um, there's no problem for him. He's the one that created all of these amazing things. Have you ever seen a close-up of a hummingbird and the, the amazing little feathers and how they're iridescent and, the, and he's just there? God made that. He thought of that and everything else. Water buffaloes, librarians, everything. <laughs> There's no problem for God to see clearly. So, but the problem is for us, so we can trust God. So how do we trust God to see things clearly? 1 Samuel uh, 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When, Paul, when Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? He said, In peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also sacrificed Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And God said, His name is not Shirley. Just kidding. That's right. <laughs> it's Eliab. No. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. And here's the key verse. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesus called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shema passed by, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he's tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with a beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil 
and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Okay, so a few things that this, this tells us about how to trust God because he can see everything clearly. How to trust God that he understands, even though I don't. I don't know often what's happening. First of all, we may grieve over the failures of men, but we can trust that God has a plan. We may grieve over the failures of men, but we can trust that God has a plan. Um, We often get sidetracked or feel like we're not making progress because somebody else messes up, right? It's, it's, sometimes it's temp- tempting to do that with everything in your life, to blame someone else. It's their fault. They messed up, and now I'm in trouble or I'm in a hole. But uh, is that a biblical and wise thing to do, to blame everybody else? Do you know people like that? It's almost like you want to say, excuse me, it's never, ever your fault? Ever? There are people like that. We don't want to go down that road. But we do grieve over, we don't groove over, but we often grieve over the failures of other people, leaders and people that are supposed to be responsible, supposed to come through, supposed to do what's right. We grieve over our own failures if we're, if we're honest. But that's fine. But you can't live your life going forward like that, can you? Grieving over things that have happened. Paul even said, I look forward. And I leave the things that are behind looking unto Christ. So, we may grieve over the failures of men, but we can trust that God had a plan. Uh, Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph when he was, his brothers wanted to kill him, sold him into slavery. He thought things were going a little better with Potiphar, got sent to jail, falsely accused. He could have been very bitter. But he just kept trusting God. And God had a plan for Joseph. God had a plan for the whole world using Joseph. And he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So God knows what he's doing. He can see, he can understand. Even though it looks like something to grieve over to us. Notice... uh, what it says here. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? And then tells him what to do. I want you to fill your horn and go anoint somebody that I've chosen. So Samuel had invested a whole lot in Saul. And Saul was tall and good looking, but he was kind of a doofus, wasn't he? And he didn't obey God. He didn't do what was right. God told him explicitly what to do. 
and he decided he had a better idea. Does that sound familiar? So, apparently Samuel had invested some hope and some, some sort of, and, and some personal uh, tears and blood and sweat into, into Saul. And he's grieving over, what a failure, this is horrible. Even though he knew that God had torn the kingdom from him. So, here's Samuel. Is there anybody else in Israel that is more spiritual, more in touch with God, than Samuel? There isn't anybody. He's it. He's the great prophet. Notice how the elders come out trembling. Do you come in peace? They're afraid of him. And yet, he's just a man. He's grieving. He doesn't understand. He thinks everything's gone over and crashed in a dish, ditch. Not a dish, a ditch. The whole plan. He doesn't get it. He can't see the magic eye. He's grieving. <clears throat> but God had a plan. So we can know that. We can trust that. God has a plan. No matter what you're going through, God has a plan. He's given us the big picture plan. We know what it is. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. All kinds of other things like that. In the meantime, we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But that's the plan, to go through. Not to leave us here. So God has a plan. Also, we may fear the power of men, but we can trust that God will provide direction. And through that, protection. Notice what uh, he tells him in verse, he tells him, go to Jesse, I've selected a king. And then verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice. And invite Jesse to, to the sacrifice. I'll show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one whom I designate. So here's Samuel. He's in touch with God. You would think that he wouldn't fear Saul. Isn't God on his side? Right? God is grieving over the failures of Saul? I mean, excuse me, Samuel's grieving over the failures of Saul? He's afraid of Saul. He's the king. He could kill me. If I anoint some other guy, he's not going to want that. So, if all those things, all those human foibles are good enough for Samuel, then they're good enough for me, right? In other words, none of us can be perfect. We're going to grieve. We're going to be afraid. Just like Samuel. But we can trust that God has a plan. That God will direct us. He'll protect us. He'll show us. Just like he did for Samuel. 
So don't grieve and do what I tell you, he told Samuel. I've made a way for it to work out. All of the fears that grow in your mind as that are, seem to be outcomes of this action aren't going to come true. Just like uh, Mark Twain said, I've, I've lived a long time. I've seen a lot of trouble. Most of it never happened. So a lot of our fears are unnecessary, but we can also trust God. God will provide direction for us. Now, does, is that applicable for us today? I'm, I am afraid of a demented, illegitimate president sitting in the House, in the White House. I really am. But guess what? God knows what he's doing. God's not surprised, and I can trust that he'll give me direction. Right now, the direction is do what I last told you, which is come up here and teach classes and so forth. That's what I'm going to keep doing, no matter what happens. I can only do so much, right? If God directs me to do something different, to be involved in some other way, then I believe he'll tell me. I've often thought about this question. You know, a lot of preachers get up and say, just do what God tells you. But here's the question. How do you know what God's telling you? You ever thought about that? Unfortunately, I have. As an aside, I'll give you what I believe is an answer, which is biblical, which is work on your character wherever you are. Do what God tells us in the New Testament to love each other, to be patient, to be kind. That's the will of God, the kind of person you are. You work on that a while, and that'll keep, keep you busy, wouldn't it? Without wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be doing whatever God put in front of you. He knows what he's doing. That's number one. Number two is, I realized that I could trust God to get through to me if he wants to. Even though I'm dense, I'm not trusting in my spiritual antenna to know, yes, the will of God. But I can trust God to tell me something if he wants to, right? Because he's God. So there's a couple of answers to that question. How do I know? Look in the Bible and see what it tells you to do. Love each other. And know that if God wants to tell you something, he'll get through to you. If it's something about your journey and your decisions and so forth. Especially if you ask him. So that's how you know. So we may fear the power of men, but God will provide direction. We can trust that, especially if you ask him, like Samuel did. He's just being honest. I'm afraid. Talking right to God and telling him. So we may fear the power of men, but we can trust that God will provide direction. And through that, 
his protection. Three, we may be impressed with the outward appearance of men, but we can trust that God sees the inner character. Now, God sees everything, and he sees it clearly, including inside your mind. In Hebrews, it says, everything is open to the eyes of God, who sees everything, including your heart. So, what does that tell us? If we apply that, one, it tells you that if you're a big phony, God knows it. Two, all the things you've done that nobody else noticed, that were little sacrifices because you love God and you love other people, God knows that. Most of that does go unnoticed. Have you noticed that? Yeah. But guess who knows it? Who sees the heart? God does. He knows. So beware phonies and take courage, honest do-gooders. Because you don't want to trumpet it. Jesus told us not to do that. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Know that God sees it. He sees the heart. He sees everything. He sees my inner character. We often go on appearances, don't we? I see somebody and look at them on the outside. I process. I put a label on them. Goober. (laughs) Whatever. I have noticed that once I get to know the goober, he's often quite a person or she. And I would hope that people would treat me that way because I'm a little bit afraid that I seem like a goober from the outside. So I can't go by that. Because here's Samuel. Here's another. Samuel, you just made this mistake. You looked on the outside and said, he's tall. Let's make him king. Right? We do the same thing. Tall people. And what was Saul? He was a mess up. So first thing Samuel is doing the same thing. Oh, there's a tall, good-looking one. He must be the king. He'd look good in a crown. How shallow is that? This, this is Samuel. But what, is, uh, what does God say? Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. I can imagine God rolling his eyes, but God doesn't do that. He gives wisdom without any uh, rebuke. Uh, Don't look at those things because I've rejected him, for God sees not as man sees. God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God knows your heart. And in some cases, that's a good thing. In others, we ask for forgiveness and confess our sins, right? Because we know that he sees us. 
But we don't want to make the mistake of living our lives according to outward appearances, do we? A lot of people do that because that's all we can see. In fact, think about this. Have you ever seen a swan? We went uh, a couple years ago, 2019, we went to the Outer Banks. And there's these big lakes or ponds that they have in, in a sanctuary for these waterfowl. And there's this, there are, I, I couldn't count them, so many swans. I've never seen more swans in one place. And swans are these stately, beautiful birds. If you had to look at a bird all day long, would you look at a swan or an ostrich? There's just something about it. But did you know that swans are mean? Did you know that swans were protecting in their pond, their little nest or something, and they went out, this is a true story, and they pulled this little poor old guy out of his canoe and drowned him? That's a horrible story, isn't it? But that's, swans are strong and they're mean. You don't want to mess with them. It looks like you should be able to go, oh, Mr. Swan, and go up to them and they, yes, hello, you know. <laughs> but that's not what swans' hearts are like. So we have to be careful, don't we? Trust God and not somebody else's heart. You know why? Because you can't see it. Don't even trust in your own heart. Because the heart of man is, that includes me, you. So God sees the heart. And when you're humble and faithful, he sees that. You just keep doing that. Don't get too prideful. Don't think you got it together. God does see your heart. Number four, we may think we know what we need, but we can trust that God has chosen the best. You may think you know what you need. Every day of my life, I think I know what I need. But I can trust that God has chosen the best. He's already chosen the best for, for me, and that's Jesus. So, um, Samuel thought he needed another, another king like Saul, tall and good-looking, be good in a crown. But all seven of the sons passed by, and Jesse didn't even consider that, hey, maybe my youngest son might be part of this. Number eight. But God knew. God knew his heart. Send him. He's out with the sheep. And there's David. Overlooked. Not important. Not invited 
to the important conference. The story of my life. <laughs> but he was the one. He was the one that when Jesus was going around in Palestine, in the streets there, the people called out, Son of David. Son of David, have mercy on me. David was given a promise. That he would always have a king on the throne. And that promise was even better than David could have imagined. Because it was Jesus. The king, not just of Israel, but the king of the world and the king of the universe. That's what God had in mind. When David came trotting up there with his ready, good-looking face. Isn't that amazing? Who had that in mind? Did Samuel? I don't think so. He was worried about Israel and the Saul, and just like we are. God had in mind the lineage and the promise of David. Christ himself. That was his plan. That's a good plan, isn't it? So he knew. We may think we need what we know what we need, but most often we don't. How many people, when Jesus was born, said, yes, we need someone to be the Lamb of God and take away our sins? How many people? The disciples didn't even get it. John understood it, behold the Lamb of God. But even he doubted when he went to prison. But God saw it. God knew it. God knows what he's doing. Even now, who knows what, what's happening in our times? God does. That's who. And we can trust that. He sees everything Clearly, he knows what I need. He knows what's the best for me. And nothing's going to stop God from giving that to me. And all I have to do is receive it by faith. And he's already given it to me in Christ, who was resurrected. And there was some of the women, and he said, Different, different uh, renderings, but he said either rejoice or good morning. Everything's different. That's still true today. Because God understands and he's made it happen. And finally, we may think we know what we need, but God, we can trust God has chosen the best. And finally, we may be impatient for God to move immediately but we can trust that his timing is always right. Notice how this ends. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. What do you think the brothers thought of this? Kind of the Joseph syndrome all over? I don't know. In the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. 
And Samuel went home. That's a little bit of an anticlimax, isn't it? Samuel went home to his home in Ramah. David went back out to the sheep. Did you ever feel that way? You had this idea about what was supposed to happen and the vision and it seems like you're getting there and then... God's timing is best. Wait for it. Don't force things. Don't grab it as if it's your last opportunity. Wait for God. When I was uh, a young man, long time ago, I I really liked girls. No, that's seems to be a thing. And so. You know, I I had some relationships with some girls and it didn't work out. Anybody ever been there? Everybody plays the fool, right? It's a good song. Um, and so I was not feeling real good about it. And I remember God pointed me to a couple passages. One was the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I thought that was good. Because I coupled that with, I think it's in Proverbs, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. No good thing will he withhold. Those who walk uprightly. Now, I didn't look at myself and say, I am upright. I, just, I knew that I'm walking with Jesus, which is walking uprightly. Trying to trust in him. So I trusted God. I said, you know what? I'm just going to do what's in front of me. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to put it in God's hands. I'm going to do school, do the ministry that he's given me. That's what I did. God gave me such a peace. And it wasn't but weeks and months later that I met Becky Smith. Do you guys know Becky Smith? And God blessed me. He had the plan. I was pretty devastated, but God knew what he was doing. He had the plan. It was the timing was right then. In the fullness of time, Christ was born. So if you're young, things aren't working out. You know what the Old Testament says a bunch, a bunch of times? Wait on the Lord. Put it in his hands. He has the best for you, and he has the right time. Not only in this life, but obviously 
in the big picture of the plan that he draws me up into, and that is that I, little old me, can know Jesus, the Son of God. The King of the universe, the Son of David. So I know that sometimes I'm confused, but I can trust that God knows. He sees it. He understands. In the midst of our chaos that we're living, we can trust in his timing. Be faithful. Follow what the Bible tells you to do. It says, when Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, guys, you disciples, that you love one another as I've loved you. He didn't put any qualifications on it. He didn't say, when everything gets settled out and everything's good, then you love each other. He didn't say that. He said, love one another. To these same guys, he knew, had been arguing about who's the greatest in their fantasy kingdom. Love one another, and the world will know about me when you love one another. So that's the start. What's God's will? What, do I, what should I do? Be that kind of person, no matter what else is going on. See if that doesn't make a difference. I think it will. So we can know, we can trust God that he sees. Let's close with a prayer. Lord, we thank you that not only do you, do you promise to give us wisdom, but you, you give it without rebuking us or making us feel stupid. Lord, we thank you that you, there's no trouble for you to see your plan unfolding. The trouble, Lord, is, is with us and our little cares and, and foibles and fears and short-sightedness. And Lord, you don't always give us a great revelation. You don't always tell us what's going to happen. But you tell us to follow you, to do the last thing you told us, to be the kind of people that reflect Christ in this world, to be your witnesses. In the midst of our confusion and being buffeted by the world, we pray that you give us the strength to be faithful like that. To be your people, not just on the outside, but in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.